Happy Monday, everyone. Welcome to Coffee Break on Unsafe Space. Today is Monday, April 6th, 2020. It's day N for quarantine for many people. I don't know what day it is, but it's uh, someday that's greater than one. And I'm, as normal, joined by a woman from Texas in a hat who eats the coronavirus for breakfast. Carrie Smith. Hey, Carrie. <laughs> that's who wants to eat the coronavirus it's gross hey i don't know it was better than saying you're the bad mimma jamma i'm getting tired of it i know it's your you youtube thing but you know uh i never asked you to call me that so only tiger calls me that what bad mimma jamma <laughs> yeah, it's literally your twitter uh name, I know. right yeah it's you know where it came from you know that song yeah yeah, that's Tiger's favorite song. Ah, so this is, it's, it's, I didn't realize it was a tribute to Tiger. <laughs> he, he likes to uh, start his mornings with that. It's a good waking up song. I see. As someone pointed out in chat, yes, I'm not wearing a tie today because I just don't feel like it. So, <laughs> sorry. Um, but Carrie's still it's wearing it. it's your first time here. Yeah, we should say, welcome to the Kefefe break on Unsafe Space. Uh, you can We have a website, unsafespace.com. If you want to watch us on BitChute instead of YouTube, you can watch us there. And you can also listen to the podcast anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. And um, we have a book club. We're currently reading Animal Farm, which I already started. And it's really good. Uh, <laughs> I, it, yeah, I'm glad we picked this book. And it's pretty short, too. So we haven't announced the date for the discussion yet, but um, you guys go ahead and get a copy of that book if you don't already have it, because um, I'm really I'm really excited to talk about this one with people. Yeah, and you can go to unsafespace.com to get uh, our Amazon affiliate link so that we get pennies. Um, someone, <laughs> someone else just said standards are slipping in chat. Just so you know, I'm not a shirt and tie kind of guy generally. I wore a shirt and tie for this show specifically because... It was my belief, and still is, that uh, white men in ties scare the left. So that was the idea behind it. I just don't feel like scaring the left. I'm focused on other things today. Uh, maybe I'll go back to the tie later, but not, not today. All right. Carrie, how are you doing? I'm okay. Uh, yeah. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Everything's just, you know overwhelming in some ways like it is for everyone right now i think yeah. and um uh i did a virtual birthday party last night with a friend who uh it was her birthday yesterday and we um did a virtual game night it was the first time i've played categories virtually that was kind of fun <laughs> um and she is by the way i mentioned her i'm gonna whenever i mention her i'm gonna plug her just because i love her so much um, she is the one who did my Golden Girls print, and you guys can find her on Instagram at, at Julia Mann Art, Art by Julia Mann, and she's got a sale going on right now. So anyway, nice. Well, but it was fun. Uh, Carrie, you've been. I you know what? I'm a bad uh, I'm a bad business partner because I did not read the thing that you sent. I, I clicked on the thing that you sent me over the weekend, and I was like, oh crap, it's a Facebook. Oh, rant. <laughs> I, I did not read it. Um, well, it wasn't the rant much that I just posted a meme. It was the what happened afterwards. Okay, so 
let's let's just talk about what I learned from this. If I don't know if people saw it. Sorry, my camera. Is it is it good? Yeah. Adjusting it. It's good. Okay. Um I've it's funny that we're reading Animal Farm right now. Uh and in the foreword to the Ukrainian version, um, I was reading how Orwell wrote about how his experience is seeing how um his experience in the in the in Spain showed him how how easily you could get people in a democratic country to believe totalitarian propaganda mm. and how they um the the method that they were using to accuse wrong thinkers just like in Russia was to call them fascists. So anyone they wanted to scoop up mm. and throw in a work camp or kill or disappear, they would accuse them of fascism. So and, that's foreign to me. I've never heard of that as a tactic. <laughs> <laughs> right? So you can see how that actually, he wrote Animal Farm first and then he wrote 1984. And you can see how his experience there in learning that, because he said, he said, you know, the people in the democratic countries would believe, he said, in most cases, uh, these accusations were false. And, uh, but you, but that, but that people in these democratic countries would believe them and would believe the most fantastical, um, conspiracies against, against the people who were, um, deemed wrong thinkers or deemed fascist. And, um, and, and so I was, you can see how that led to some of the plot line in 1984, right? which we already read in book club yeah, absolutely. Um, about how they, they would just create these fanciful stories about anyone that they disappeared and people would believe it. Oh, they're guilty. And, um, but you know what? It also made me think about what we're going through right now with this, uh, pandemic and with the government shutdown in some States and how quickly, um, it's not the same thing for people, people, they, they seem to have a, uh, an inability to, distinguish between comparing arguments and argumentation and comparing scenarios that are that the, the argumentation is used to justify. And so uh, it made me think about this virus, this pandemic, the government shutdown in some states. Again, for you idiots out there, I'm losing some of my civility lately, Carter. For any I idiots listening, <laughs> for any idiots listening, I'm not saying what we're going through is just like the Holocaust, or just like uh, the Soviet Union throwing people in camps. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the response of people, the response of mobs, the response of, of, of people who are willing to so casually and passionately throw away our freedoms and to clamor for government force is amazing to me. It, and in it's this, a, this case, is a litmus test, right, Carrie? I think. Yeah. I'm I'm viewing this like the the we talked about the Karens last week, but like the Karens coming out, the the quarantine Karens like policing people, it's really a litmus test to see who in my view, it's a litmus test to see who belongs in the country and who does not belong in this country. And you know they they're so stupid some of them. Um, so my post, I posted a meme about, uh, I didn't write it. It was a, it was some Twitter user. I don't even know, but I thought it was a good memes are arresting. They get your attention because they're pointing to some underlying truth. And a lot of times they are using, um, extreme examples to get your attention and to make you think about 
the point it is they're trying to get across. And so in this particular meme, it said something like, you know, when the government says stay home, stay home. When the government says don't go to work, don't go to work. When the government says walk to Oklahoma, walk to Oklahoma. When the government says, you know, get in the boxcar, get in the boxcar. And so um, somebody shared that meme. I did, that by the way, I did see that meme at least. So I know what you're talking about. Okay. okay. So the, this, I had my first swarm over the weekend. Uh, I haven't, none of, surprisingly, none of my posts have been swarmed before. I've definitely had people argue with me, but most of them are people I knew or was, I was Facebook friends with. But, um, in this case, someone shared it to some kind of private group. They have these private groups where, um, their entire, uh, purpose of the group is to find posts or memes like mine. And then they all come in and attack you. They're like little they, incubators for social justice virus people, and like they they feed them with little fodder to grow the virus, and then they unleash it upon the victim. Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be an SJW group. I don't think this one was. It's just a, a group, but it's the same mentality. Mob mentality is the same. It doesn't matter when the madness of crowds, right? The way that people lose their sense of personal and individual identity when they're in a mob. Um, even online mobs, they lose it. And they they start saying things that they wouldn't say face-to-face um, on a one-on-one interaction. And they start behaving in ways they wouldn't, ways in which they wouldn't behave if, if you were face-to-face and one-on-one. Because now they're part of this sort of, this mob, this this anonymous mob. And so anyway, um, my post got flooded with, with um, morons. Funny enough, that was their favorite word of choice for me. Um, most of the posts were basically, you know, you're a moron, uh, you're an idiot, you're a, um, I forget the word they use, the, the descriptive word, but they called me a, a C-U-N-T, uh, <laughs> a so, disgusting person. A disgusting so some creative person. ad hominem going on there. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of that, right? And and what's and And what's funny to me is that they're so dumb they didn't realize, once again, like we talked about, the way that people engage in projection, they didn't realize how much of what they were saying applied to themselves. So, for example, you're, you're talking about people who um, deserve to be in this country and people who don't. Yep. Um, one of them was like, uh, if you don't like, if you don't like it, if you don't like the government shutdown in some of these states, if you don't like it, why don't you go to North Korea? It's like, wait a minute, you're, you're the one who would seemingly be happy in North, North Korea. I think North Korea is a little more shut down. <laughs> I think it's a little more shut down. Do you not even hear what you're saying? Like, that should be something I would, I should say to you, except I don't usually say things like that. But, you know, you're basically, you're he- arguing on behalf of the government restricting freedoms. North Korea looks like a place that would be much more comfortable for you. Yeah. I think they have zero cases because their solution is some fast moving lead when you test positive, I'm pretty sure. Um, the Philippines, for example, I don't know if you saw that, but the Philippines, the the head of state or someone in the Philippines just said um, they gave the police permission to shoot anyone dead who's violating quarantine, who's leaving their house. And there were people in my local group who were basically applauding this sort of like, well, I bet they heard that, didn't they? You know, like, oh, yeah. as if, that makes sense. As if you'd be doing that here. I'm like. Wow. So I, I guess I was just really fascinated by, um, yeah, how passionately you can get people to 
argue on behalf of stripping us all of our rights and our freedoms and um, and how easy it is to get people in, like Orwell said, in a democratic country to believe propaganda. Now, in this case, the propaganda, I would say, is um, is coming primarily from the media and it's fear-based, it's panic-based. And I think the media has partisan and political reasons for why they're doing it. Um, but people are swallowing the propaganda and coming in and, and viciously attacking others. There's a, there's a, uh, I sent you a post. I'm hoping you can put it up. I, I, even though it was a public post, I, um, I covered up the, the person's face and their name. Um, but this is an example of what I've been seeing. Do you, do you have that post? Yeah. Hold on. Let me see if I can put it up here. It might take me a second. Well, while you're looking for it, um, I had another friend who posted, I know you have a police scanner and I now have a police scanner on my phone and the app. Now I'm curious, but, um, I saw a friend that posted and said, you know, listening to, she said, uh, I had the local police scanner on a little bit this weekend. Everything I heard was calls tattling on their neighbors for not social distancing the neighborhood watch group I'm in on Facebook is also flooded with people asking who they can call to report their neighbors for not social distancing. This is getting ridiculous. Um, and in that same vein, the post that I shared with you. Which here, here it is, by the way. Well, no, no. Uh, that, was a prop, that was a poster I found from China in 1952 that says, report the illness if you spot someone getting sick. Right. And it's a it's a a drawing of a woman uh, reporting someone else apparently for thinking, you know, this other person is sick. And that's from China in 1952. No, the post, What's the, the Chinese post word I, for Karen that I don't know. <laughs> the post I shared with you was the one that says, if you know businesses, did you see that one? Uh, I don't know. Let me look. Where did you, Oh, this one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This person has also posted a video. Um, they are, upset about people um i don't think i'll give too much away if i say this they're upset specifically about a church that met a drive-in church so people didn't get out of their cars okay there's no way to infect others they're in their cars this person uh posted us several things but here's one if you know businesses or people violating stay-at-home orders call the department of health and report them in many states, there are now penalties of $500 to $1,000 for violations. Just Google your state name or city name and Department of Health. If they are putting their kids or the elderly at risk, call DHS. People still think this is a pick-and-choose when-and-how-to-comply situation. Well, it's not. I will report every case I see, whether I've known you 10 years or 10 minutes. Orders are not optional, all caps. Get it figured out. Wake up. This is really happening. Stop killing people, all caps. If you think it's dramatic, it is. This is an unprecedented, historic, first in a hundred years, global effing pandemic. Get that in your mind and focus on it. Um, that kind of person scares me. Please don't be my neighbor. <laughs> like, <laughs> please don't be my neighbor. <laughs> uh, please go to North Korea. <laughs> like, yeah, seriously. Anyway, um, just I that. I guess I was thinking about a lot this weekend because of the swarm and, um, well, Carrie, it, sorry, go ahead. 
Well, just uh, as swarms go, I will say I have nothing. I don't have another one to compare it to. Um, but it it didn't hurt my feelings because obviously, well, there was nothing they were saying that was feeling feeling hurt worthy. Um, but but uh, in dealing with it, like I know people we've interviewed have dealt with swarms before, like Little Ragamuffin and Maria Tuscan and. Um, it definitely, by the end of the day, I realized my muscles were all tightened. Like I'd been running a marathon all day because the notifications kept coming in and there was, it was constant. And, uh, and I was thinking, wow, like that's a real, it was a real, uh, uh, experience. And, uh, and I wouldn't say that I would wish it on anyone, but it taught me a lot. And it, and it, but the biggest thing that it made me think about, um, was just, was just, again, the, how easy it is to get people to, lose all sense of individuality and join a group like that. And then, and then argue on behalf of their own freedoms being taken away. It was, it was wild. So, uh, it is, it is. And, you know, Carrie, I've not been the one in the past to, uh, like there's a lot of like, if you don't like it here, move kind of attitude for people that disagree politically one way or another. Um, as a as a libertarian for years, it was always like, why don't you go to Somalia if you don't like, like, all right, fine. Um, there's always that crap, and I'm not one to use that usually, but I I honestly believe this. Um, this is a litmus test, and the people that respond to this by posting things like that are not, uh, they're not the kind of people that America was built for. Um, Every other country, there's lots of countries in the world. You can go to North Korea if that's how you want to be treated, or you can go to other countries. Like that's not the, that's not what separates America. Like w what makes America special is, was, um, the culture of individual responsibility and and personal freedoms. And so, I I actually think this is a great litmus test. People who are reacting that way, like I really don't want them to be part of this country. Now, unfortunately, maybe it's most people, um, and it's f very few people who are reacting uh in a spirit of freedom and individual liberty but uh i think it is very the whole thing's very revealing um can we i, I kind of want to talk about some of this you mentioned the kind of catastrophizing a little bit so i was thinking about this the, you know the whole cathedral is catastrophizing this coronavirus obviously um quite a lot and what I've noticed is that most people really, really feel like they have to pick a side between like, uh, it's the it's like a zombie apocalypse. It's the worst thing ever. Oh my God, we need to shoot people who are violating quarantine. And it's just the flu. This is a big hoax and a conspiracy. And there doesn't seem to be a lot of room for um, what I would consider the rational position, which is... Uh, there's many things that are true at the same time. We don't actually know. We don't know a lot of information. And the rational position isn't that exciting because it's not, this is the zombie apocalypse, and it's not, this is a bunch of bunk. It's, mm, this is kind of hard to digest right now, and we don't really have all the information, and we know some things are true, and we know some things are not true, but, you know, the extent, like... I just, I, th I thought about this and I, I pulled out some stats. It's like many things are true at the same time right now with this situation. One of them is that 
this is not just the flu. And I know a lot of people are like, well, the death rates, you know, death rates are similar to the flu, blah, blah, blah. Yes, at the beginning they were, but the, uh, or, or the, the number of people dying was, was much lower than the flu, but that's not how you have to look at this. You have to look at the potential, if left unchecked, what it might do. There's a couple charts that have been made about this. Uh, this is, look, this is the average daily cause of death from heart disease, cancer, accidents, even number one down to whatever number this is, lung obstruction, and COVID was way, way down here, uh, March 1st. But if you watch over time, you'll see that as uh, this is primarily not very much was being done to halt the spread of this at all. Plus there's an incubation period, right? So you'll see it kind of grows and grows and grows. We're all the way up to now March 19th. Oh wait, no one's, yeah, there we go. March 19th, March 22nd, there we go. Up, 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 up. Okay, here we are. And we're now at the second, third cause. Uh, by the beginning of April, we're up at the third leading cause of death. Okay. If you look at the same thing for the city of New York, down here, it's below sepsis, and we can watch it rise again over time. By the 19th, here we are, 20th, 21st, we're at the third by the 22nd, um, and you can see it growing rapidly. Suddenly, by the 27th, it's and then 28th, it's now the leading cause on a daily basis of death in New York by far. So it is true that this is not the flu. That's a true statement. It is a thing that needs to be concerned about, that we need to be concerned about. However, there's also some other things we know about it. And this is the contradictory stuff, not contradictory, but this is the nuance. This is where the nuance lives. We know China's numbers are, are low. We know they lie. We know they have been lying. And we know that their numbers are low by some amount. So... We don't really know what to do with that. We also know that our numbers are probably high or at least wrong because of a few things. One is we mischaracterize, we may be mischaracterizing deaths. So here, let me, I'll pull this up. Uh, I shared this the other day um, with Maria Tuscan in a uh, text message, but look at, I, I talked about the other day how they are miscategorizing corona deaths. They're just saying presence of coronavirus at death is attributed to coronavirus. And that's not the proper way. That's not the historical way that doctors categorize deaths. Well, if you can see, suddenly the U.S. pneumonia case deaths have dropped. This last number actually was not um, a final number for that day. So you should discount it. But the downward trend continues. It's a little bit up here. But well, why would, uh, why would pneumonia suddenly fall? Well, the reason is we're attributing that to coronavirus. So there's some misattribution happening, right? Probably not just with pneumonia, probably with other things. We also don't know what the per capita testing is. The number of people that are actually tested um, affects how many people are listed as having the virus, right? So all this stuff is points to another awkward and uncomfortable fact, which is we don't really know our numbers. Our numbers can't be super trusted. I've also seen people do stupid things with calculating case fatality rates. You can't just take the number of people dead today and divide it by the number of people with cases today. That's not the right way to calculate CFR, but people do it and they throw it out and say, see, look, it's nothing. It's, it's not very fatal at all. There's, you know, 
there's not a lot of non-anecdotal data, all right? There's some data, we have it, but again, it, the, the origins of it are shaky. So that's true. It's all true that, the, that it's not just the flu, it's a big thing, and the numbers are kind of untrustworthy and wonky, so we're not sure. It's also true that the government response to this is completely despotic and tyrannical and will likely cause a full-blown depression. We saw the jobs numbers last week were 6.6 .6 jobless. Uh, the week before, 3.3. When it was at 3.3 million, it was four and a half to five times the historical record. 6.6 .6 is about 10 times the historical record. Uh, I think it'll be higher this week. I don't think it'll be double again this week, but it might be. Um, so we're seeing, you know, massive increase in, in unemployment. There's a real economic consequence to this. And, and the final thing that I, I, I think is true that needs to be talked about here, at least, is the press does have an agenda here. And I've seen people say, well, um, the agenda is that they're globalists and that they're always pro-China. They're not, they can't even spell CCP. They're not pro-China. They're anti-Trump. This is the cathedral trying to gain power again. Remember, Trump is the... Uh, Trump is the nemesis to the cathedral's power. The cathedral wants power back. This is their entire you know, raison d'etre, right? This is why they exist, to have this power back. So everything the press is doing is basically just about orange man bad. Why would you say that the coronavirus, why would you say that China's numbers are great? Why would you say that... Um, that things are much worse in the U.S.? Well, because orange man bad. Look, China's awesome, orange man bad. That's the reason. Why would Rachel Maddow say, well, the, the USNS comfort's not going to happen? Because orange man bad. It shows up in New York, helps out a little bit. It wasn't intended to help out with coronavirus cases. I think it's offloading other cases. But of course, you know, the reporting is it's not helping at all. They have no coronavirus cases there. They're not helping. New York, New York City hospitals are preparing. They catastrophize it on the news and they show footage. CBS showed footage of Italy hospitals that were overwhelmed, implying that it was New York while talking about New York City. Um, they're showing makeshift morgues, which aren't actually in use. They're just there in case, you know. First, Trump gets accused of not sending enough ventilators to New York. Andrew Cuomo, like nothing's ever his fault in the press. It's always Trump's fault. He stockpiles stuff, doesn't use them, makes false statements, complains about the ventilators. Turns out he had ventilators. Like never gets blamed. Always Trump's getting blamed. You saw the captain um, of that ship, um, Brett uh, Crozier, I think, right? Trump's politics is killing people, blah, blah, blah. He was fired for speaking the truth. No, he wasn't. He was fired because he communicated over an unsecure channel, and now the entire world knows that a major U.S. asset is non-functional, which should not have happened. There are there are secure channels through which you should communicate that. If you're a ship's captain, you should know that. Um, so, like, all this kind of stuff. And, and then they, they roll out these predictions of mass death, and all these prediction models are based on worst-case scenarios with zero, zero controls in place. Right? We don't have zero controls in place. So they're catastrophizing all of this, but I think the purpose of this catastrophe this catastrophization, is that a word? Making it a catastrophe, is um it's just it's just orange man bad, right? They're going to use this to push that narrative. They're gonna say no matter what he does, so because it's a win-win for them. So right? let me interrupt you for just a second. Yeah. So um a couple things about what you've said already. Yeah. This is what I was this is what I was talking about with the press is 
the reason for most of the propaganda right now. And, and their reason for spreading the propaganda is simple partisanship. Yes. They don't like Trump. And so everything's his fault. So they are panic. I saw Cernovich tweeted something that I agreed with. And he said, you know, if the president were a Democrat right now, the press would be in a, they would be taking on a calming function and they would be praising the president. But because it's Trump specifically, because it's a Republican, because it's Trump specifically, the press is in a panic inducing mode because they have to make everything seem catastrophic because it's his fault. So I believe that's their motivation for spreading the propaganda that they're doing. Um, I, agree. I agree with that. Yeah, no, I also I totally want to go back to the beginning of what you said mm-hmm. about the false dichotomy. And this is something I was trying to talk about in a post today, um, like right before we started this is that a lot of these people, like the, the the people who are who swarmed me, for example, are using words and phrases they don't seem to even understand the meaning of. Um, and they are actually creating a false dichotomy, like you're talking about, in which they believe everyone is either a flu crew person, a person who's like, this is just like the flu, there's no difference, which is stupid, or they're the, uh, we're all going to die, the government needs to shut everything down and take away all of our rights. Like, you need to be one or the other. And that's stupid. That's a false dichotomy. You don't have to be one of those two gr- extreme groups. Um, absolutely. I'm just putting that, I'm just putting that in Carrie speak. Yeah, <laughs> so, no, no, a- absolutely, but, right? That, and that's, But they don't understand nuance. They don't. Well, and I don't they, think they, they want, I don't think they want to. I think, you know, and that's, I think they want to have these, you're this or that. Um, and they want to sensationalize it because no matter what way this goes, it's good for the cathedral. And and so like, so think about this. Um, if Trump doesn't do enough, he's letting Americans die, right? If he overreacts, um, he's ruining the economy. Um, if he even offers hope, hey, there's a drug that has some, that's been approved for other uses and it has uh, shown some anecdotal evidence, anecdotal evidence, not trialed evidence, anecdotal evidence that maybe it's helping and you, you, you so maybe there's maybe there's hope here, people. He tries to give them a little bit of hope. What happens? He's guilty of manslaughter. Did you see? Um, here, I got to show you this. This is freaking ridiculous, Carrie. Hold on. Let me pull this up. I, I mean, I sometimes I think there are parodies of themselves. Okay. Okay. While while you're pulling this up, I just want to thank a couple people for Super Chats. Okay. Thank you, Ninja. Sorry, I thank you, Ninja Kitty. Attention. Yeah, I'll, I'll just read them off while you're doing that. Thank you, Ninja Kitty, for several Super Chats. It seems that Ninja Kitty's not able to comment without Super Chatting us. We didn't do that. I don't know what's happening there. He made you a temporary moderator, so hopefully that'll work. Um, also, thank you, Kim Ray, for Super Chat. She says, uh, cheers for my favorite knitting podcast. Hey, 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 thank, hey Kim. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and one comment from Keith the Hack Guy that I just wanted to highlight. Yeah. He said, uh, it's already beginning. I can't find the comment right now, but he Oh yeah, said, he got in uh, trouble over he, the weekend. Yeah. He got in trouble. Here it is. It started. I was harassed by a cop Sunday for sitting on the grass in a public space with two other people, a break on a bike ride next to the bikes. He claimed hanging out is not allowed. Yeah, it it, it has already started. Did you see in L.A. they arrested a guy who was paddleboarding on the ocean by himself? No, it's insane. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. They, they literally had to violate the rule in order to arrest him because he was all alone on a freaking ocean. 
this is crazy. <laughs> it's, okay, it's what, crazy. Were you, what were you pulling No, out? I, I was just going to say like, and then, and you know, you can, so this allows them to criticize, this allows the cathedral to criticize Trump no matter what he does, right? Uh, like I said, he doesn't do enough, he's letting Americans die. He does too much, he's destroying the economy, right? Even when he says like, hey, there's this drug, uh, hydroxychloroquine, might, chloroquine, whatever, it might be, might have some positive effects. You saw already that they blamed him for the idiot who took fish tank cleaner, but it gets better. It gets better. Look at this. This is a representative from, where is she? Ohio's 35th district. She says, I can't take it anymore. I've been to the Hague. I, I guess congratulations for your vacation. I'm making a referral for crimes against humanity tomorrow. Today's press conference was the last straw. I know the need for a prosecution referral when I see one. They're talking about him mentioning the freaking drug. That's what they're talking about. And then, um, uh, let's see, there's a follow-on somewhere. Hold on. There's a, yeah, Glenn oh, Kirshner follows yeah. on to this and says, Trump's conduct easily satisfies. Now, by the way, this is he's these are both blue checkmark cathedral people. This guy's NBC News, the other person, uh, and, NC, and MSNBC. Trump's conduct easily satisfies all three elements of involuntary manslaughter. In fact, his growth negligence is beginning to look more like conduct inviting a, wait, a conscious disregard of an extreme risk of death slash serious bodily injury equals the standard for depraved heart slash second degree murder. So they are, they are saying that because he says, hey, seen some uh, positive results here, you know, not through a clinical trial yet, um, you know, but is FDA approved for other stuff? There might be light at the end of the tunnel, everyone. They're talking about him being guilty of second degree murder. This is, I think that the cathedral loves this because not only do they win, no matter what happens, they have something to talk about. Uh, we're also moving even closer and closer to authoritarianism, which is what they all want. So, um, I, yeah, that's yeah. insane. And that second guy there, um, I think he used to work for the FBI or something. He used to be in government and I think so, and, yeah. you know, the fact that I, I can't believe, so this, this pandemic has shown me the truth about a lot of people. Like you said, it's been a great sort of, a, a a great illuminator, maybe. I forget the word you used. It was but a, it's I just really, said it was a litmus test, but yeah. And but, and by the way, you're right. This guy's a former. He's a his thing says former 30 year federal prosecutor. Um, federal prosecutor. Yeah. Okay. What this is showing me is, I am shocked that a a person of such low critical thinking skills was ever in a position of that much power. It's yeah. alarming to me. Yeah. So it's illuminating a lot of things for me. One of the people who um, I think orchestrated the pylon on me in that thread we were talking about is an actual friend of mine who's a who I know in real life who uh, is a police officer. And 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 here's what's really interesting to me. I know another police officer who posted early on on one of my threads saying I don't agree with the government force shutdown. And I wouldn't enforce some of these things, you know, because like, like I'm sure this, this particular friend wouldn't be the one to go and bust up Keith sitting on the grass by, you know, right. taking a break from biking. But this other friend, the one that I think did shared the post in a private group and sent people to attack me, 
is a cop who um, I think I had just I, I didn't realize certain things about him until now. <laughs> and I didn't I didn't realize uh, his ability, his capacity to behave like a bully. And Wait, is this the his, cop that I think it is? No. Oh, okay. No, it's somebody I went to school with. Oh, okay. And I and I didn't realize um, that they. I, I I guess I just didn't realize that he was so such an authoritarian at heart or totalitarian at heart. And one thing it's done for me is illuminate that part of his character. And just like these people who I don't believe they should be close to power at all, I'm sort of like I don't know if you're the best suited person to be a police officer. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, (laughs) you're right. It's kind of scary that, you know, there's all kinds of cops. And just in my personal anecdotal experience, I've seen ones who completely disagree with this particular friend. But um, this particular friend, it's like, wow, yeah, this has been a real litmus test for me. And it has revealed things about your your character. Um, You know, it's interesting. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I uh, one other quick thing about what you well, before you move on from cops, can I mention something? Are you moving on? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that you bring up cops because I, um, I mentioned this the other day, I think on Twitter, uh, I, you and I have talked about cops in the past and I have like, a, I have generally, I have a, um, ambivalent feeling about them. Um, I think many of them are no, especially the older ones, maybe join for reasons that are more noble, like they're trying to uphold the Constitution and they feel that they're doing well. I don't think, you know, I, I don't think that they should be enforcing a lot of the laws they're enforcing. Um, but on the other hand, uh, you know, I, I do think there's a lot of authoritarian, jackbooted, wannabe uh, tyrants out there in the in the police uh, um organizations and and i've gone back and forth on arguing stuff about that and this is the the thing that strikes me here is again this is a litmus test for police officers uh if you're the police officer that's enforcing these all the bad things i said about cops those apply that applies to you like if these laws are so horrible, if, if you if you can sit here and listen to us and agree that the Karen snitches doing this are horrible, the cops enforcing that are worse. They are worse. They're despicable human beings. And the idea that like, well, uh, they're just doing their job. 6.6 million people aren't doing their job during this quarantine anymore. If you have... Uh, any sort of moral compass as a cop, you don't enforce this. And if it's a choice between that and losing your job, you lose your job, right? Doing my job is not an excuse. Now, we can argue about whether things like drug laws are appropriate, and I don't think they are, and all that kind of stuff. But this is very clearly an anti-American, anti-freedom, despicable, totalitarian set of rules that are being enforced. I don't even believe they're constitutional. So if you're a cop ticketing Keith or arresting a, you know, ticketing Keith for sitting on the beach or arresting a guy paddle boating in the Pacific Ocean by himself, you are a disgusting pig and you're everything that the cop haters say about cops. Yeah, but again, that's not all cops. That's just, it's just revealing to me. I'm saying it's a litmus test. 
to right. tell it what, is a litmus like, test. Yeah. Like with everything else, it's been very revealing. I agree. By the way, thank you, Sylvia. Sylvia says, you've been great in this SHIT time filled with crazy people who are unable to think individually and critically. Thank you, Sylvia, for the super chat. Thank you, Sylvia. Yeah. Um, also, a little ragamuffin. You guys are really, thank you for chat is going crazy today. I, I can't even catch up with everything. I did want to say um, Blackbeard says that his family has coronavirus Ooh. and that he and his son are doing okay. But his, I just lost the post, um, his wife and I believe it was sister, yeah, his wife got super sick and my sister-in-law is in the ER, which I'm really sorry that you guys are going through this. And he says that the virus, there's, there seems to be no rhyme or reason about who it really hits hard and who it doesn't. Yeah, I saw the same thing with another friend of mine online who uh, he and his wife both have it and he has no symptoms at all. He he wouldn't have, other than being really fatigued, he wouldn't have realized that he had it, but it's affected his wife really hard. So yeah, yeah I've been reading that. It it really varies yeah. from person and, to person. But you know, my our, our hearts go out to you, Blackbeard. That really sucks. I'm sorry that you're dealing with that. Um, and likewise, Carrie, I just read an article about, again, all this is anecdotal, but there's these cases of people that there was a husband and wife couple in their early 30s, I think, early 30s. And they both had it, and he just died in his sleep. Um, wow. Like no pre, like zero pre-existing conditions. Now, I'm not sure if it's zero pre-existing conditions um, because I also don't trust the press, and they don't count obesity as a pre-existing condition. So perhaps there was a pre-existing condition. But I am hearing anecdotes like this that imply that like there's just some people sometimes that are seem healthy and are and are dying of it and um and i've also heard that there's several different strains already that are out and so i don't know if that has anything to do with it or not yeah i don't i don't it's been very one other sad bit of news but elizabeth mentioned that if you've had someone pass away recently during this uh crisis not from coronavirus but from other reasons that it's been really hard because they're like not allowing you to celebrate life. You know, I can't yeah. even imagine Yeah. like, what do they do? Are they shutting down funerals? Probably. I don't know. I think they are. I think they are mostly. Um, yeah. You know, um, one silver lining here is I think, um, I know for a lot of us who are already, I'm going to use the word ironically, who are already woke to the cathedral's shenanigans and to what's going on at um, in the mainstream media, it's none of this is new to us. It's like, yeah, of course they're lying about this stuff. Of course they're misrepresenting. Of course, Orange Man bad is their whole thing. I'm seeing normies. Um, I'm seeing normies realize that. Even did you see what the son of John Lennon and Yoko Ono tweeted, Carrie? No, wait. Is this Sean? Yes. I've met this guy before. It's Sean. Well, what did he say? Look what Sean tweeted. Been listening to, quote, respectable journalists quoting CCP official numbers for months without doubt or hesitation, calling it the Wuhan virus, but only days later telling people who say it's from China they're racist. The official media have lost their legitimacy. Oh, wow. Good for welcome. him. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the Matrix. Welcome to the real world. I mean, welcome out of the Matrix. There you go, uh, Sean. Wow, that surprises me. I don't I, that's cool. Right. So when like normies like this are starting to, I think, wake up, I do think what's going to happen. I just, let's just prepare people for this. 
when this crisis is over, the media, the entire cathedral will switch to bitching about the depression, how the economy is all Trump's fault. They would have done X, Y, Z, should have done, should have, would have, could have done, blah, 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 blah. And Trump mishandled this. And that's why the economy is in the gutter. And no one is going to mention that they were also the ones calling for a literal nationwide shelter in place order and asking him to shut down everything right now. Um, so they're going to ignore that that was their advice. And then the economy is going to crash because even though he's not following their advice completely, obviously we're entering into a depression, they're going to then blame him and talk about how, you know, if only the cathedral were in charge, this wouldn't be the problem. And he's going to take the blame for that too. Okay, so a couple things. Maria in chat says, New York City has been hit really bad. Maybe we need to look at why this is poor air quality, damaged lungs. Okay, well, one thing is, like you're talking about, the media is not being truthful. The media at the very beginning was telling us as recently as a month ago or less, telling us this is just like the flu. Have you, you saw all those headlines. They were like, you know what kills more people a year than this coronavirus right-wing conspiracy? The flu does. Like th this was what the media was saying. They were telling and, people in New York to go to Chinese New Year celebrations. Yes, well, yes. the governor was. So yes. just like, yeah, no, nothing is Cuomo's fault. Cuomo was tweeting, go out. Right. Enjoy the Chinese New Year celebrations. He was telling the city to ignore it. And and when you do that, see, like Carter from the very beginning was encouraging people to self-isolate, voluntary self-isolation. The governor should have been encouraging voluntary self-isolation from the beginning, but they weren't. And then it's like to make up for the crisis they've allowed to happen. Well, now we're going to forcibly shut everything down and, and we're going to change our stance entirely. Right. And then we're going to blame Trump, right? <laughs> Um, the other reason I think New York has been hard hit is because it's a city where you have all these people on top of each other and people were taking the subway together. You're in these closed quarters where you're all breathing the same air on the subway. If you look at some of the more rural areas where we're not on top of each other, it doesn't spread as fast because we're just not contained like little mice in a cage. Yeah. And so, in fact, the Bay Area is being in, doing pretty well in California. And so is, I mean, LA is not great, but California generally is okay. And part of the reason, Carrie, might be we have the worst public transportation on the face of the planet. No one takes it. You can't go anywhere in L.A. on public transit. Everyone drives. And in the Bay San Francisco, BART goes to like a few spots and you can't go anywhere on BART either. So uh, but New York's got vibrant public transportation. So um, and we were not at least I'll say this about the leftists running the state of California. At least they, you know, yes, they have a shelter in place order that I disagree with, but at least they weren't out encouraging people to like telling everyone this was a hoax and like keep having parties, which de Blasio and Cuomo were doing in New York. Yeah. Um, one, I'm oh, sorry, one quick thing. And yeah, Elizabeth, I'm really sorry you, you guys are going through this. Elizabeth is talking about what it's like right now with her grandfather's on hospice and she's not allowed to be with him. Right. And, and don't you think yeah. that, don't you think that that should be a decision that the family should make, uh, on their own without the government getting involved? Like should yeah. she be there or not? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, and that's actually another thing. I don't know if you saw the, the press get mad at Trump about this. Um, but they tried to yell at him for, I, something that he did that I think is wonderful. I forget the name of this, but uh, they passed some, I don't know if it's a law or they repealed something or whatever, but there's this, uh, I think it's called, he called it right to try. Like if you're terminally ill, 
um, you have the right to take whatever you want to try and save yourself. You can't be told no because you're freaking terminally ill. So what could happen? It's a total, it makes total sense. There's no reason for you to not be allowed to try something when you're literally going to die anyway. Um, and they were mad about that. Now, of course, I think you should be able to try something just for the hell of it, because uh, I'm opposed to the war on drugs. But even people who are pro-war on drugs, uh, if you're going to die anyway, what is the harm in trying experimental treatment? Worst thing they can do is kill you. Uh, and he's made that better. And the media is not really talking about that. In fact, all they've done is criticize him for that, which I'm not sure why. Well, because they have to criticize everything yeah, he does. Yeah, fair, fair. Like <laughs> I'm not sure how think, rationally, I guess. Is yeah, <laughs> but they get they get away with it. So um, I have a lot on my list today. One, one thing I wanted to point out, again, about since I got uh, a real dose of the uh, we're all going to die crew, we should take away everybody's rights crew, um, Another thing they kept getting wrong is I saw people in there uh, who, again, were repeating things that they don't seem to understand. And one of them, one common one, I saw more than one person say this. They said, your rights in where mine begin. You know, maybe you should look that up. And it's like, maybe you should look that up because <laughs> you don't seem to understand <laughs> that, you know, your rights in where mine begin when you tell me I can't leave my house. And I don't have the freedom of association anymore. And I can't, I'm not free to operate my small business or to go to work or to provide for my family. You are now restricting my rights. My rights are here. <laughs> so, so the phrase that they're using, and do you know what they mean by it? This is what they mean by it. And they actually will say this when you're like, what do you even mean by that? They're like, you don't have the right to contract a, a deadly virus and then give it to me. Yes, I do. Well, you have a right to contract it. Yes, I do. It. Not. You don't have a right to break right, into their not, house not and infect them. Not knowingly to you, but, but the point yeah. is like, <laughs> exactly. I don't have a right to break into your house and infect it, but yes, I do. You, you, personal responsibility. You're in charge of yourself, dude. If you come near me and I unknowingly have a virus, that's on you. Make your own decisions. Take some personal responsibility for your life. We have never, 80, by that rationale, and the cop was making that that argument. And I'm just like, by your flawed logic, none of us would ever be able to leave our house again because 80,000 people a year die from the regular flu. And I guess we don't have a right to contract the regular flu and pass it on to you without knowing, and you might die from it. So therefore, we'll, we should never interact with one another ever again. It's like, they don't understand, like, life is risk. When you get in your car, you are putting your life at risk. Every decision you make comes with some varying amount of risk. And, well, and, and then, you, yeah, adults weigh those risks and they decide which decisions they're going to make. A, an adult who is aware that that oh, you know, you know what else they said? What? Right, rights come with responsibilities. <laughs> yes, they yes, do. Yes, you have a responsibility to self-isolate <laughs> if you're worried about getting the coronavirus. Yes, you have a responsibility to self-isolate <laughs> if you are worried about getting it. That's the point. And see I'm, how and I'm I not, did that? There you go. That's gosh. responsibility. Yeah. So I. <laughs> And I'm not I'm not yelling at anyone in the chat or anyone who's watching who really wants to understand this and is trying and I'm really not yelling at you. I'm yelling at the people who think they're smarter than they are and who go around arrogantly saying things like that and and do not listen and try to understand when you when you're trying to help explain it to them. There was out of that swarm of people, which was probably 200 or 300 people who came into my thread, there were two only two who ended up having 
a real conversation with me. And one of them, uh, I was explaining to him how, because they kept saying, false equivalency, false equivalency. You're comparing the pandemic to the Holocaust. And I was like, no, I'm not comparing it <laughs> no, to the Holocaust. I'm comparing your no. behavior to the behavior of the people in Germany during the Holocaust. And it's yeah. strikingly similar. Yeah, and I'm comparing the argumentation, the public health argument. I'm comparing the public good argument, the public good argument. And there's a difference between comparing argumentation and comparing scenarios. Do you understand this? Most of them just, oh, you're a moron. They wouldn't even listen to me. One guy was like, I don't understand that. Can you explain it? And I'm like, okay, I've, I'm not to explaining this, so let me know how I do. And I tried to explain it to him. Like, when you have an argument, the way that you test it is to apply it across various different scenarios because you don't want to have a faulty or a selective argument. You don't want to have a, a, an invalid argument that only works in this case, right? So, and Carter, you can tell me how I'm doing. You can probably perfect this for me. I would love it if you perfect this for me because now I'm in a position where I find myself having to explain it. If you take that argument and you apply it to something else and you like, for example, the public good. Well, are there any other cases in history where the public good was used as the justification where it ended up not being in the public good? Yes. <laughs> yes. That's what testing an argument is like. Okay. If you look at that post and what you hear is, this is just like genocide. You are a moron, not me. I'm not comparing it to genocide. And, and if you would bother to listen to me, then you would under, hopefully understand, maybe maybe I'm not explaining it well, but hopefully understand what I mean about comparing arguments and justifications. Anybody who says this is just like the genocide, that's a stupid thing to say. Nobody believes that. Well, you got to understand, would- understand what they're doing. They're not trying. So uh, we can skip over even um, helping you explain it better if you're worried about that. I don't think we need to do that. Um, You just got to skip over the part where you think that rational discussion works with these people um, because they're not trying to be rational. That's not the goal. The goal is um, the goal is to scan the words you said and latch on to any label that can be used, taken out of context and used to make you look bad. So um, you mentioned boxcars. That's a Holocaust reference. Therefore, you are I'm going to say you're comparing it this to the Holocaust. You are a horrible person. Like that's, that's there's no actual parsing of meaning of what you're saying. That's not even, they're not even trying to parse the meaning of what you're saying. And the argument you're, you were, what you were explaining basically was, was universalization. This is like, this is one of the things that the, this is one of the founding, uh, I will say maybe principles of the enlightenment is that, uh, that rules should be universal. Like this is this is the counter to the divine right of kings. Right prior to the Enlightenment, there was this idea of the divine right of kings, uh, uh, rules for rules for me and rules for thee, right or whatever. Like rules for the king and rules for everyone else. And I have the divine right because I'm the king, and everyone else has different rules. Well, the idea of universalization philosophically is that we need to arrive at principles that are equally applicable to all people and that are abstract and that can be abstracted and then applied universally to situations and people. Now, um, that's what you're trying to do when you say like, well, is it universally a good idea, for example, to argue for the public good? And you can abstract that and say, well, gee, no, uh, it's not a universally good idea. In fact, the concept of public good, as I've done a video about, is in itself a in a self-imploding uh, it's a time bomb waiting to destroy you. So 
the whole concept should be thrown out. It doesn't universalize. Um, and so that's really the goal, but that's not what they're trying to do. Because you got to remember, these people, carry these people saying that you don't have a right to go get infected with the coronavirus, they're literally the same people that in California passed a law that said you don't have to tell a sex partner that you're HIV positive before you have sex with them. I know that. Yeah. They actually, they actually, again, they're hypocrites on a, a many different levels. But one of those is that, uh, hey, I don't believe you should be able to purposefully, knowingly infect people with HIV. And you guys do. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. So, they have a right. They have a right. Right. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> I don't know. I, um, there was something I wanted to address earlier. It's it's unrelated, or it's, not, it's really something we talked about a long time ago. But I just want to quickly mention it because I don't want um, Maria said something, and maybe it means that I didn't explain this correctly. When I was talking about we're not measuring coronavirus cases properly, she was like, "You should point to the CDC article that she sent me about uh, their guidelines specifically say that as long as there's presence of the coronavirus, then you, it can count as death, uh, the cause of death." Um, so if I wasn't specific about that, like that. What I'm saying is there's a procedure for categorizing deaths. They're not following it. They're specifically told to not follow it. And that's one of the reasons that we're probably seeing an elevated number of deaths caused by the coronavirus. But, um, yeah, that's uh, – can, can we talk a, about – so go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I have one other thing that relates to the uh, – earlier when we were pointing out the people who are just – you know, the police scanners are full of activity of people calling and reporting their neighbors for going outside. And the guy who's like, you know, here's, you should call the department of health on all, anyone you see who's violating. Um, I don't know if you saw this and I, for, I forget, I don't have it right in front of me. I forget which article it was, but um, there's a journalist who posted her, her new piece on Twitter uh, in which she took it upon herself to call various hobby lobbies and find out which ones were still operating, even if they had social distancing rules and stuff, and shame them and say, here's a list of hobby lobbies that are still open and putting everyone at risk. And then in the comments, it was full of SJWs. Now, why do you think she picked Hobby Lobby and not Michael's? I went what to Michael's SJW the other day. What SJW even goes to Hobby Lobby? <laughs> well, the reason she's trying to shut them down is because of ideological reasons. Right, of course. She hates, she hates Hobby Lobby because it's Christian-owned. She didn't call Michael's. And I went to Michael's here, which is open. Um, I've also driven by. I haven't been to it because the line is so long because they're only allowing 10 people in at a time. But Home Depot is still open. You know, Walmart places or Lowe's, I think, is still open. They're, that's on, That's their right. There are things there that are deemed essential. You know what? Like Hobby Lobby has stuff that people use to do arts and crafts for mental health. It has other things you might need if you're going to be stuck during a quarantine and want to do work on your house since you're not allowed to work. If you want to work on your home and, and do some home improvement projects. And this woman, this reporter, um, wrote a piece about it, took it upon herself to tattletale on all these hobby lobbies as if they're doing something illegal and they're not. And then have people in the comments calling and shaming Hobby Lobby and trying to get them all to be forced to shut down out of public shame. It made me so angry. I'm like, you know, it's I mean it's obvious. You didn't do this article about Michaels. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, I you, to... you know, the entire concept that there's essential businesses and non-essential businesses and that some central planner can decide which businesses are essential. I mean, it, the whole thing is ridiculous. So, um, you know, that's authoritarianism 
right there. Um, and several so. people have pointed out Hobby Lobby has supplies to make masks, and a lot of people are making masks right now. And um, but you, but you're right. I don't even agree with the essential businesses thing. I'm one of those people who, God forbid, I think each business owner should get to decide for themselves if they're going to stay open and what kind of safety measures they're going to take. And then you should get to decide if you're going to go there or not yep. and what safety measures you're going to take. You know, we were, um, we were talking about nuance to this whole thing earlier and how like there's this, you know, you're in this camp or that camp, but actually this is a situation where smart people should be nuanced in their, their view of this. Um, Maria pointed this out to me and I read an article. Maria Tuscan, by the way, has been great. Uh, thank you, Maria. You've been <laughs> texting me stuff. Uh, she texted me this article about Sweden. Sweden is basically not doing, I won't say they're not doing anything. They've got some recommendations and stuff, but um, they think it's the rest of the world that's crazy uh, in their reaction. Sweden is like, well, we're not going to do this to our economy. Um, and I think this will be, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens in Sweden. But more important than that, what I really like about it is, obviously, there's things I dislike about Sweden's culture. But one thing that's required for that to work in a culture is the people have to be willing to see the nuance. And someone up in chat, I don't remember who was in chat, but they just said everything's a cost benefit. They said something to the effect of everything is cost-benefit analysis, right? Everything we do, you mentioned driving on cars, everything has risks and rewards associated with the costs and benefits to everything. And so um, it seems like, at least in Swedish culture, at least more for the, more than the rest of the West, they're able to handle a little bit more nuance and they're able to say, well, yes, this is a problem, but you know, we're not gonna shut down our entire economy because that's a big problem too. Uh, and so I think, you need that kind of a culture in order to have the small government that you and I talk about all the time. If you're if you're moving in the direction of small government, you can't do that with a culture full of Karens. You can't do that with a culture full of trigger-happy thugs pretending to be cops, arresting Keith on the beach. Like, you can't have a free society. You can't have a, a culture of... Uh, thought and nuance like that. You you can only have farm animals. That's that's what you get. Uh, if you're gonna be a, if you're gonna act like farm animals, you're gonna get a farmer. Um, so we, I think we have a culture that acts much more like farm animals. And so you know, farmers are stepping up. So that's all I want to say about that. I want to mention Sweden. That's a great Sweden. quote. If, if you're gonna act like a farm animal, you're gonna get a farmer. Oh my gosh. Somebody's. Uh, I've been reading. I've I've enjoyed him for a while now, but especially during this panic, uh, I have found him to be um, very informative and somebody who shares all different kinds of information. Some of it conflicting with it because that's that's what any um, uh, if you're responsible for yourself and for what news you're getting and you want to make sure you're getting the whole picture so you can evaluate everything. That's what you should be doing. Um, is Mike Cernovich. I've been following him during this whole thing. Cernovich and Scott Adams says are both really great accounts for sharing the opinions of a variety of experts and not telling you what to think Yep. at all. Just saying, here's this information. What about this? What do you think about this? And making some of their own predictions. And he made a pre another prediction that I, I thought he, there might be something to that. He said, you know, Trump was a fake strong man. But the next strong man we're going to get is going to be a real strong man, which is a scary thought. And it could be that this virus and this panic, because he was sort of saying, yeah. we have forever altered the collective consciousness. We forever, like the psyche, the, the our psyche has changed because of this. And we don't know the ramifications of that yet. But I think that there have been enough 
just my limited experience with the panic crew who came into my thread, it's like, I think they would vote for a real strong man. And they, they, some, it's odd, know? right? They, I mean, I think the cathedral would, if the cathedral put out a leftist strongman, they would, they would absolutely vote for. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely um, authoritarian, totalitarian, dictator style. Sure. Strongman. Well, look at I mean, look at even the way look at Warren speaks. It's much stronger than Trump in terms of like I'm going to do blah blah blah. Like she's she's much more like you're my resource and this is what I'm going to force companies and people to do. Even though Trump spoke strong, he at least had an air of we got to get the government out of the way we got to fix things i'm gonna i'm gonna surround myself with the best people and like he he didn't he had less of a authoritarian um aura about him i think than than even elizabeth warren um yeah you know uh andrew thompson mentions um michael malice is another good one to follow i love michael malice i haven't seen him though um I haven't seen him dig into this stuff as much. He's more like follow him on Twitter because a uh, you should follow good anarchists and he is one. Uh, I'm the only other good anarchist that I know of. Uh, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I just don't know a lot of us. There's like two. I found Michael Malice once and I was like another anarchist. Um, so uh, yeah, Michael Malice is great, um, but he he doesn't really talk about the details of the coronavirus too much. He's mostly just funny and he's a, he's the a world class troll. Um, but. Carrie, can I um can I share something about how I I have a way of there's a model for this coronavirus that I'm using to think about this stuff, and I thought maybe people would want to see it. Um, yeah, this is because this is how I think about it personally. Let me find it. Hold on. Uh, I think my browser closed, so I have to find it again. Here it is. All right. So this is going to look scary, but but there's a guy. So there's a guy who named Mike Rogers. I don't know who he is. He made this spreadsheet originally. And he, he does a seven-day rolling growth rate of new cases by state. I, and actually, he does the countries as well. Um, and so you can see state growth, select country growth. Um, this Actually, I didn't update country growth. This is the fourth. But state growth, I did. And so what you're looking at here, I know this seems intense, but... Uh, don't let your eyes glaze over. Uh, <laughs> take a look at this. What you're seeing is, so for each day, they go back seven days. This is using the Johns Hopkins data, which is compiled from a number of sources. Um, so again, you, you may have some of the data problems we discussed earlier. So keep that in mind. But for each day, they go back seven days, and they, they look at the number of cases that were seven days ago, and they and then they calculate the percentage growth over the last seven days, okay? So they do that for each seven-day periods. So you can see, and let's just take Alabama right at the top of this list. Beginning in March, there was no growth because there was nothing going on, right? No growth, no growth, no growth. Suddenly, you know, probably one or two cases jumped to 500% growth, 700% jumped way up with 2,000% growth, right? And now it's actually starting to decline a little bit. Um, and you can see that for all the states here. It also has it for all the countries. I added a couple tabs to this thing because I cared about New York and California in particular. So I added growth by county. Um, so we can just look a bit and we can look in, in California. We'll just start with Alameda at the top here. Alameda County, this is, um, it's east of San Francisco. Uh, so it's like Oakland and Berkeley area. 
So uh, beginning of March, no growth, no growth. You see up 100%, 100%, 200%, grows up 500, 800, kind of peaks and then starts to come down. In the last few days, it's been hovering around 100% in Alameda County. You can look down uh, Los Angeles County. You can see similar, you know, jumps up, kind of goes down, jumps up, and kind of headed down, but it's still pretty high right now. The reason I'm looking at this and the reason I like this is... Uh, if you'll recall, I was arguing to shelter in place early voluntarily, if you could, because I was saying there's an incubation period with this virus, which means that the data we're seeing is one to two weeks old, right? When someone is officially contracts the virus, well, they've had it for one to two weeks. And actually things are, that means as the virus is on the upswing, as things are getting worse. So on, on this day, let's just take this day, for example, on the 13th, or actually even look, let's look here. No, no, let's look at the 13th. On the 13th, we look at the number of cases and we say, wow, well, actually the number of cases on the 13th, the number of new cases, well, those represent who had, that represents who had cases way back here at the beginning. That's how many cases were floating around back here because it took some incubation and testing to get to this point. Now, obviously we don't, this is affected by testing as well. So we don't really have good per capita testing data. So we don't know how well testing is happening. But, you know, there's there's a lag between these. Well, my argument is similarly on the back end because I'm not trying to catastrophize and tell you it's a zombie apocalypse. I'm looking at now, I sheltered in place early. I'm now looking at getting out early because <laughs> I'm looking at this and I'm going, well, uh, as of today, the, the growth, it's, the growth's not slow enough for me to, to get out yet, but I recognize that this decline, this decline is also lagging one to two weeks. The decline started happening back here. And the decline is similarly lagging one to two weeks. So, um, and we won't find that out one to two weeks from now. We'll find out what, what the new uh, cases were. So I'm just pointing this out. I, I can, you can find this. I think I tweeted this spreadsheet out. I'm gonna keep it up to date on a daily basis. But I'm just trying to take a more, uh, I'm not telling you what to think, but I am telling you, um, you know, this is stuff that you can kind of look at yourself and make your own determination for. I sheltered in place early. I'm probably going to pop out of shelter early. I'm definitely going to be out before the state tells me I'm allowed to be out, um, partly because I want to be, but partly because uh, I don't think it's necessary. Um, we will, everything, the government has been reacting to everything slowly, so they wait for the numbers to be bad, freak out, overreact, and they're going to stay overreacted for longer than they need to um, before they relax this. So um, I just wanted to share that with people so that people understood at least how I was thinking about it. Does that make any sense to you, Carrie? That does. What are you going to do when you pop out? Are you going to go canoodling on the beach? <laughs> I may. I'm going to, I have to look up how to canoodle because I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, yeah, you know what I'm going to do? Actually, yesterday I called the gun store and I was like, are you an essential business? And he was like, yep. So I'm going to go to the gun store. <laughs> uh, I, like, I like that chart. I wanted to share one that is maybe in the same vein a little bit, but um, this CDC one that I sent you. Oh, they've, yeah. They've now, this, the CDC projections have now, the models have now dropped down to about 81,000. Right, because they're adjusting for the fact that we're doing something. By August 4th. Right. 
Yeah. Right. And they're adjusting, but, but models change. And I'm well aware that those two extremes we talked about, I'm well aware that the flu crew, the people who say this is just a flu are going to say, see, it was never a big thing anyway. And now they're having to adjust their model. And I'm well aware that the, uh, we're all going to die. Okay. Well, it's only dropping because of the government is forced to take away our rights. So, and I think both of those are wrong. There's somewhere in the middle. We can't really know how much of this is because of government intervention versus people self-isolating voluntarily. But if you look, the model now shows projected deaths um, uh, by August 4th of 81,000. Just six days ago, they were talking about a million in a press conference. Yep. And now they're saying 81,000. And that's the same, that's about the same number of people who died from the regular flu in the 2017, 2018 um, flu season. Again, for the dumb people in the back, I'm not saying this is just like the flu. I am not in the flu crew. (laughs) Right. I'm just saying models change. And this is a bit of hopeful news that it looks like these numbers, they're they're being forced to uh, drop their predictions. And I wish they would also drop their government-forced quarantines. Yep, yep. And, you know, it's one thing that I find interesting about this is um, if you see the way that people are reacting to Trump, they're like, you should do a national shelter in place. Now, I don't agree with a lot of stuff Trump does, but uh, the federal government is an agreement between the states. Uh, I think the correct response to that should be from Trump should be actually uh, I'm I'm just managing an agreement between the states. The states have a right to shelter in place if they want, and you can argue that at the state level. Uh, but the federal government really shouldn't be involved in um, telling states what to, what to do, and uh, and that's kind of been his response. Um, I don't think he said it that explicitly, but you know, um, someone someone in chat just mentioned climate change. Uh, I'm going to, I don't know who to give credit to for this because I think someone pointed it out. Uh, I think it was a friend of mine named Michael Robertson, but I don't remember. Um, you know, this is, this, what we're seeing actually is a, is the hidden cost of climate, the climate change catastrophe. It's the climate bedwetters. The people who have been saying, oh my God, the world's going to end. The sky is falling with climate change. Um, there have been billions and billions of, if not trillions of dollars misallocated to fighting a maybe somewhat of a mild concern, but not really the catastrophe that everyone says it is. There have been billions of dollars misallocated to saving humanity from this non, mostly non-existent mythical catastrophe. Um, and that money could have been spent, if you're worried about threats to humanity, could have been spent more rationally on actual threats to humanity, like viruses that pop up in weird parts of the world where we're now a much more connected economy and they spread a lot faster. Uh, so, you know, you never, you never see, no one ever talks about the hidden cost of some of this stuff, the hidden cost of, of pushing false catastrophes out in front of people and getting them to put billions of dollars in energy and effort into into one thing that's billions of dollars of energy and effort that don't go into something else and you know it it's actually a little bit sad that in the modern era we as a society and i don't mean the government i just mean we as a society generally aren't more prepared for global pandemics because we are way more interconnected physically than we ever have been in the history of humanity 
And that means that people getting weird stuff in the past, in a small village where it just kills the whole village and that's the end, and a few weeks later the traveler comes by and notices a village full of dead people, that turns into a global pandemic because of because of how connected we are now. Uh, and that's a ra- that's a rational threat actually to be worrying about. That's that's a bigger threat to humanity than hey the temperature might rise a degree over the next hundred years. Great, we'll farm in Canada. I'm listening to you. Sorry, I saw you. I thought you were muted. <laughs> I was muted. I was muted. I got something about a job, so I was looking at it. Oh. Anyway, sorry. There you go. No, that's okay. I mean, I don't... Uh, I think we've gone... This is pretty decently long, Kofefi. I have other stuff we could talk about. Oh, wait. Let me... Before we, we leave, mm-hmm. I do want to talk about this because she's in chat. Oh. Do you remember the impromptu episode where at the end I talked about skein yarns in New Zealand? Mm. Um, yeah, and, I do. Okay, so Marie, that's her company. She's in chat. So here's some things that happened to them since then. So first of all, the SJWs were targeting her before the crisis because she's friends with Sockmetician and she carries some of his yarns. Uh-oh. So they were already trying to, of course, you know, hurt her business. But now what they've done is they've used the crisis to change their reasons and justifications. And so in New Zealand, you have to get... Um, Again, every country's been dealing with this in very in different ways, and every state here has been. In New Zealand, you can't even operate your business online unless the government deems you essential, because they say it'll be a burden on the mail carriers to be carrying around things that aren't essential. And so she applied for and was granted permission to operate her business on the grounds that it's essential for mental health for people to do um, knitting. And a lot of other businesses have also been granted, a lot of similar businesses have now been granted the right to conduct business online as well. Wasn't good enough for the SJWs. They don't feel like she should have been granted that. So they've been piling on her. They actually called the police on her and a police officer came out to her warehouse. Can you imagine? Um, that Now they are petitioning the government there. The SJWs are petitioning the government to have her license to sell online revoked. I mean, the, can again, you're sitting in this crisis. This is happening to everyone around you. This is the thing we're all going through. And this is how you choose to spend your time is to try and destroy somebody's online business. What a dark little heart you have. That's how like, they spend their time for everything always. That's that's what always. they do. Always. Yeah. That's what they do. But But you would hope you would hope sometimes something might wake them up out of it. It's like, maybe this will, will cause them to focus on something else. No, 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 no. They're still focused on destroying people and resentment and hatred and totalitarianism. They make me sick. These people make me sick. And again, like I said at the beginning, I'm starting to lose some of my civility points. I don't know if you've noticed, but I've called people morons and idiots in this episode, which I don't usually do. Yeah. I, can uh, we just make can we just draw a distinction because um you're what you're talking about is actually different from Karen. The, yeah, there are Karens out there who are like snitches, which we've all we've also we've talked enough about how we dislike them and they sh- I think they should be deported. Uh, but <laughs> uh, um deport Karens. That's my that's my campaign slogan if I ever run. Um Somebody said they're called Pandemic Peggies. Oh, Pandemic Peggies, fine. <laughs> deport the Pandemic Peggies. But um 
But what you're talking about actually is the social justice mob, which is they're not really being pandemic peggies. They're just doing the thing they always do, which is because they're not calling up. Like you said, they're not calling up Michaels. They're not trying to get other. They're not like worried about the pandemic at all. They're just doing what they always do, which is looking around and using whatever weapons that they could find at their disposal to destroy the people they dislike. Yes, you're right. You're exactly right. It's just that it's I've seen people saying, hey, maybe the SJW stuff will die off a bit during now that we're all focused on this collective crisis. No, 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 unfortunately no, not. there's no solidarity here. Don't kid yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That's sad, but it's true. It's yeah. True. And there's another sad knitting one that I'll tell you about next time. It just, it's just been uh, whatever. Well, I am looking um, forward to uh, I'm looking forward to this quarantine thing being over. I think we got at least another week of worse jobless numbers. And uh, my guess, my guess is the government's at least the state governments, a lot of them are going to stay in lockdown longer than they need to. Um, and uh, hey, if you are a cop that happens to be listening, don't enforce these laws. And uh, if you do, you're one of the bad guys. So I just have to say that. Yeah. By the way, you and I um, are interesting case studies because you have been self-quarantining for over a month, way before the government was even suggesting it. Yep. And I go out like every day. Now, I take right. my own safety precautions, and it's my choice to go out and screw you if you think I shouldn't be able to. Um, and uh, I think we're both interesting case studies. And, you know, and if I catch the virus, it's on me. Yep. And uh, I don't, you know, nobody's come over to my house for parties anymore, and I'm not going to anybody's house for parties. And I'm not around anyone other than the other people who happen to be in stores I go to. Um, yep. But, uh, you know. It's been uh, it's been interesting. Oh, a lot of the small towns. So in Austin, it's still hard to get certain products. And if you're someone who needs products and then you're in a big city and you have the means to be able to go outside of your town, like a lot of the small towns are still stocked. I went I, I uh, driving from uh, Lubbock to Austin the other day. A lot of the little towns in between, the Dollar Generals and stuff, still have toilet paper, hand sanitizer, Clorox wipes, like all the things that are out here, even zinc. Um, so just a tip. Yeah, no, I and you know, I. It also depends. Like sheltering in place also depends a lot on your situation. Like for us, we didn't have to go out to work because we both work from home anyway. Uh, so that was easy. We were also in the Bay Area, and frankly, I anticipated the Bay Area to look more like New York. I think we're lucky that it doesn't, um, but the Bay Area's got a heavy Asian population, lots of people going to and from China all the time, uh, and so I was a little bit concerned that, you know, the Bay Area might be an epicenter for this. It turned out the Bay Area is not, and um, maybe public transportation was one thing. Maybe it was that I didn't see a lot of de Blasio and... Cuomo style go mingle with crowds uh, recommendations coming. Um, maybe maybe it's just that people in the Bay Area kind of knew that they were at risk and sheltered in place more. Certainly a lot of us can work from home in the Bay Area more than, than other places because there's a lot of um, you know programmers and intellectual workers and that kind of stuff. We can just work from a computer. So so maybe that's one of the reasons. But you know, if I was in a smaller town in Texas, I probably wouldn't have sheltered it in place as early uh, as we did. I mean, who knows? Uh, it's 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 also dependent on, you know, the risk of where you are. Like you said earlier, everything's a risk. This isn't like, 
you know, you don't shelter in place because you want to make the risk zero. You can't. You shelter in place when you think that it's the benefits outweigh the cost. And then you stop right. when you disagree with that. So, yeah, I could. My uh, the job that I do uh, to pay the bills, uh, they I was still having to go out and work way well beyond, as you know, well beyond after you were deciding not to leave your home. Um, and that job didn't decide to keep me at home until the county made the rules they made about essential businesses. Right. Um, and so if they were still operating this whole time, if I were allowed to go out and work and so I knew that I would make my mortgage would be paid, I would still be there. Yep. Um, yeah. By so, the way, doc, Dr. K, so go ahead. I didn't, I oh, didn't. I saw that Boris Johnson. I is knew he in was in the ICU. hospital, but he, is he now in the ICU? Is that, is ICU. that so? wow. Okay. That's a, that's not a good turn of events. No, right? that's really sad. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, and Mag Maggie's grace has a good point and I, it bothers me that this is happening, but I don't really know the answer to it. But she mentions that, you know, some of the small towns, she says, my uncle lives in Western Wyoming and the locusts from Salt Lake descended on their little town and wiped out their market. It wasn't very nice. Yeah, that sucks. And I read an article about, you know, especially the people who have a lot of um, wealth in, in places like um, New York or whatever, going to their second homes in some smaller towns and then overrunning those towns and potentially bringing the virus with them and going out and, you know, buying up all the goods. And that sucks. I don't know. I, again, I don't know the answer to it. It's their right to do it. But yeah. well, and you know, it's also stores right to decide, you know, some stores limit numbers of things that you can get. Um, I don't like that as a customer, but uh, that's a store's right to do. Also, price gouging should be allowed. So uh, in fact, price gouging is uh, a great free market way to uh, limit supplies to those who need them. Um, so that people don't hoard. Yeah. Right. It, it punishes hoarders. By the way, there's, I have one other thing because I brought a prop for this. Uh, oh, gosh. Do you know that, do you know that the, apparently there's a yeast shortage? Have you heard of this? No. People can't get you... yeast to bake their bread, apparently. Okay. Yeah. I didn't so, know that. I'm glad I have some. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, I, look, I'm not a, so um, my Pro pro tip, the super pro tip is don't eat carbs, just eat meat. Then you don't have to worry about your yeast. Goats will eat anything. Have a few goats out in the backyard. They'll eat everything else, and then you eat the goats. Um, so you don't need yeast. However, if you need yeast, yeast basically lives like almost everywhere. Uh, specifically, it is on wheat. It sits on wheat. If you have unbleached flour, you have yeast. So... Okay, I'm gonna, here's my prop. I wanted to see if I could do this, so I did. Do you see, I don't know if anyone can see, do you see, do you see this? Yeah. Do you see, can, I don't know if you can tell that it's bubbly, like it looks like starter dough. <laughs> okay. This is unbleached flour in a sterile container with clean water, clean worn water uh, for like two days. Yeast grows. You don't need yeast. You can survive the apocalypse without yeast. The yeast supply chain, I looked this up, 80% of the world's supply chain is controlled by five different companies. Uh, and it might be scary if you think you need yeast to make your bread or whatever. But uh, if you have unbleached flour, you you don't. Um, that's, why, that's why when the Jews were fleeing and they, they that's the whole, like the unleavened bread thing came from, they didn't have time to let their flour sit like this. 
to let the yeast grow. So they had to bake it anyway, which is why it didn't rise. They didn't like go to Safeway and buy Fleischmann's and didn't have time to do that before they fled. That's not, that wasn't the problem. Um, so it's actually very, very easy. You don't have to forget about yeast. I just want people to not know. This is now, by the way, not a sewing channel, but a home baking channel. <laughs> this is very, very yeasty. Um, I just want to say, I love you guys in chat. I, I wasn't, it's, there's, again, there's been so many comments in this one. It's been hard to pay attention to Carter and also try and read some of the chat. But um, somebody was saying, oh, you sound rude. And then the other person said, no, I didn't mean to. And I'm sorry if I did. I'm like, you guys are great. <laughs> I just, I just like it. Even when people disagree, they're usually very civil about it in the chat. It's cool. And and do you know how rare it is to have a place with people of so many different opinions who hang out and don't like call each other names? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> oh, little ragamuffin's mad because I said sewing. I meant knitting. I'm sorry. Sorry. Although little ragamuffin, you should be happy that I said sewing. No, she's happy. She did a happy face. I know, Love but I have to. I have to a... apologize to the Maria Tuscan crowd. We have. Oh, I see. We have rivalries. There's the the pattern, the sewing. Wait, I have a question for you guys. Are the sewers and the knitters? Is there a rivalry? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. I think a lot of them cross over. Like Maria also sews. Oh, fair enough. All right. <laughs> All right, well there yeah. you go. I carry I think uh we've devolved into talking about sewing and and um the fabric arts generally. I think it's time to wrap up the show. Dr. K says we're not like the Jets and the Sharks, Carter. <laughs> <laughs> well, Dr. K, I am disappointed by that to be honest. So <laughs> Did you you guys oh now we're just going off and we're we're gonna wrap this up really. Now we're just saying nonsense. I've been watching some old comedy routines and stuff. Do you guys remember when um, Dave Chappelle played Prince and he did the part where Prince, they were playing basketball and it was the blouses versus the skins, I think. <laughs> Is it the blouses? I missed that one. <laughs> the blouses and the skin, and the blouses won. Anyway, <laughs> it's a really funny scene. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I missed that one. On that note, uh, thank you all for watching and, and being with us in chat. Uh, you can support the show you should support the show if you watch regularly it's a uh, the moral thing to do but um but some people particularly struggling in these times so that's cool if you can't just like and share if you can't support us financially if you can support us financially please go to subscribestar.com you can find us there you can also go to unsafespace.com buy merch uh, we got more merch coming up soon as soon as i get my lazy ass around putting it up and uh i don't know that's it anything i'm missing carrie Book Club, Animal Farm. It's a quick read. Um, it's free on Kindle Unlimited right now, somebody told me. And also you can get it on unsafespace.com if you follow our affiliate link. Um, we hope you'll join us for that one. We're going to announce the date very soon. And uh, it should be a really, really interesting discussion. You can support us, like Carter said, on subscribestar.com. Find Unsafe Space if you want to give us a tip or a subscription. And uh, we'll see you next time. Thank right. you, guys. Thanks for being in chat. <laughs>